0: Just go to ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy R-A-M-P.com slash easy Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Everybody's
1: got one thing in common in that room and that's they dig the music that we're doing and when all kinds of people get together and can unify on something as silly and insignificant as a song that's an amazing thing
2: that's John Resnick from the Goo Goo Dolls talking about the experience of having thousands of people singing along to his songs at a concert John talks about the band's latest album Chaos in Bloom its catalog of hits and much more on this episode of Behind the Set List Welcome to Behind the Set
3: List, the podcast where artists tell the stories about the songs they perform live. I'm
2: Jay Gilbert from Label Logic. And I'm Glenn Peoples from Billboard. Jay, we talked to John Resnick from Goo Goo Dolls. What a great songwriter! What a great guy! Good conversation. And, um, you know, I, I think a really interesting band that's had a long history and has kept it going after all these years. Really impressive yeah he was just such a, a great guy to talk to and as you and I
3: prepared for the podcast we, you know listening to all of that great music I, I thought it was really challenging for him to put together a set list with
2: with you know trying to represent all of those albums over all of those years yeah it's a really varied set list it includes some songs from their 14th studio album Chaos and Bloom that came out in 2022. The band has been signed to Warner Brothers since their 93 album, Superstar Car Wash. That album was not a hit, but the band struck it big with A Boy Named Goo in 1995. That album had the song Name that was a huge hit, reaching number five on the Hot 100 in the U.S. Their next album, Dizzy Up the Girl from 1998, had another big hit, Iris, that was originally written for the City of Angels soundtrack, and that went to number nine on the Hot 100. Yeah, and Chaos
3: and Bloom was mostly produced by John Resnick. He had some help from Brad Fernquist and Greg Wattenberg, but John talked about the experience of writing, recording, and producing this album and what it's like for him to wear all those different hats. It's a different role for him. He's the band's primary songwriter, primary singer, although he shares singing duties
2: with the other Goo Goo Doll, Robbie Takehack. And the band is going out on tour this summer. It's the Big Night Out tour that includes the band's O.A.R. and Fits in the Tantrums, and as of today, covers 45 dates stretching from July 24th in Clearwater, Florida, to September 30th in Guilford, New Hampshire. Before the Big Night Out tour, the Goo Goo Dolls head to Ireland and Great Britain for a slate of shows in June.
3: Yeah, this is going to be a big night out. So, without further ado, here's John Resnick from the Goo Goo Dolls behind the set list. Let it roll. Well, first of all, I wanted to congratulate John on the successful Chaos and Bloom tour wrapped up a couple of months ago. And you guys aren't taking a lot of time off. You just announced the Big Night Out Summer Tour uh, with OAR. That kicks off July 24th in Tampa, wraps up September 7th near us, uh, Highland, California. And it really does sound like a a big night out. Uh, What can fans expect to see, John?
1: I love OAR. I think they're a great band. And... um, I think the two bands together are going to add up to a really a great night of songs. Everybody's going to know, and everybody's going to want to sing along to and, and uh, you know, we're going to play all the hits <laughs> and rock out
2: <laughs> and, you know, do a little jamming. <laughs> if you could tell us about making chaos and bloom and you, you produced most of that album. Is that correct? And is, tell us about wearing that hat. Is that a hat you're comfortable wearing? I, I really enjoy wearing the producer's hat from the creative
1: side of it. I, uh, I'm not good at watching the budget or the money, so, so it got a little weird with that. But, but being able to let myself experiment with, with sonics and, and with equipment and, and just having the chance to make a record the way I wanted to truly make a record which was bring, bring most of the band together and put us in a room and play and play and play and try to just get those magic takes, you know? And, um, it was, it was, it was a long process to do that. Um, but I, I thought it was really cool. I, I enjoyed it because I love, I loved the ability to work in the studio and use all the equipment in the studio and all the studio equipment that I own because I collect a lot of vintage studio equipment. And um, so it was fun to use all this different stuff because it's like, you know, a mixing console can be used like like an instrument because yeah, it completely affects the, the, the character of the, the album.
2: Is this a home studio? Where, where did you record uh, and, and how long did all this take?
1: Uh, we did it up at a place called Dreamland,
2: in um, Hurley,
1: New York. And, uh, you know, we were up there for about three months, three or four months. And, um, you know, we just piled into this place during the pandemic and uh, lived in this house that was on the grounds. And we just kind of created our own bubble. And um, yeah, yeah, just kept working and working. It sounds and working, like you enjoyed the you know, experience. Until- I loved it. I loved it. I you think it, it might great. do it again? I would love to do another album that way. Cause I, I think that you can get into the real, where the really cool stuff happens. Right. I mean, I'm going to make an album this time a little differently because I want, now I want a producer and uh, a, another engineer and um, you know, Yeah. So that's, that's, I want to, I want to try a different process this time.
3: Yeah. And you stayed in a house next to the studio. Is that right? Yeah. That reminds me of, you know, kind of old school. That's what Queen would do or Elton John would do, or, you know, uh, Deep Purple or whatever. That's,
1: was that different for you guys? I, I really loved it because we, you know, we were, we had access to the studio 24 hours a day if we wanted to, you know, if we wanted to work late, we could, if we wanted to come in early, we were able to do that as well. So, you know, and there's nothing else to do up there. There's, there's like, when you're in New York or LA or Nashville making a record, um, you know, there's so many distractions and you, you can leave the studio and, you know, go to a movie or a record store or whatever. And there's, you know, there was, there was just nothing else to do. So, so there was, a, there was an intensity of focus there.
2: You know, we took a look at the November 2nd show in Milwaukee. You started that show off with Yeah, I Like You, a new song, uh, and the a leadoff track from Chaos and Bloom. Uh, you you co-wrote that with, uh, with your friend Greg, who you've worked with a bit over the years. Tell us about that song and putting that together.
1: Yeah. Um, I started out that song on an acoustic guitar and uh, the way the way all the songs on the album got started, I, I went up to Buffalo for a while and I hung out there for about a month and just went in the studio and just played guitar, played with drum machines, messed around with synthesizers, just had this really freeform way of collecting ideas. And, and I had Chris Zach, our engineer, um, Up there with me. So he was capturing all of the ideas, uh, and then and then we went through a process of filtering out the the bad stuff and 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 uh, um, continuing to solidify the good stuff. And and that's how we wound up, you know, with the songs that we chose to put on this record. I actually have like seven more songs that we didn't. We just didn't have time to do.
3: Yeah. And so you go from, yeah, I like you into slide big machine. It's a pretty cool opening sequence. Are there other songs that you, you like to open with that kind of give you that same energy?
1: Yeah. I mean, sometimes uh, we really like to open with dizzy because you can really create some tension in the room before you actually go out on (laughs) the stage. So, so I love that. Um, Or, or like come out with just like a, an older up-tempo song just to get the energy of the room up and get everybody into the room. Um, you know, cause you got you got stragglers, you always got stragglers coming. So, you know, you don't want to throw away a big hit right out of the box because then, you know, then two, 300 people are going to complain to you the next day. Why didn't you wait to play that song? We were late. It's like, we <laughs> would' not believe it, but you actually get complaints like that.
2: Yeah.: You said in an interview last year that playing new songs terrifies you, because you're, you're worried about what the crowd is going to think and uh, what their reaction might be. And so you open with a new song, and tell us about how you interpret how the crowd is feeling a new song. What, what's, the, what's the best reaction you're going to get out of a new song? What makes you happy? you're playing a lot of you're playing a lot of old hits you know what the reaction is gonna be to those but what about a new song what do you expect
1: I mean it's hit or miss at first you just have to kind of you know uh, take a deep breath play the song see how the audience reacts and um, in the case of yeah I like you and the couple other songs from the new album that we did the audience response was actually really good much better than I thought it was gonna be so so uh that was cool. And, um, you know, but I, I, I'm under no illusions about my my amazing new album. You know, it's like people want to come and see, they want to see all the hits. They want to see you play all the hits. They want to,
2: you know, and I'm like, all right, I'm cool with that. It seems to me that, um, you know, with streaming being so available these days that when, when a band plays a new song, it seems like everybody's heard it at least. It's pretty rare that they don't. Do you find that, that people are at least familiar with the new material when you play it?
1: Yeah, which is with that, that definitely worked in our favor. And then so then you have a chance to go online and see what songs off the new record people were listening to or, you know, if there's any commentary or anything like that. So uh, and then and then you can make a decision based on that. You know, because like, like I truly believe in that, that, that ethic of being an entertainer where you got to bring it for the audience and yeah, you just got to bring it. You got to keep the energy up and you, you got to give people what they want because, and, and I look at it very much from like the perspective of a consumer. It's like, you know, I'm spending a couple of hundred bucks on concert tickets then I'm spending money to park, I'm spending money on gas, I'm buying a couple of beers, I'm buying a t-shirt. It's like, it's a lot of money. That's a lot of money for people. And, you know, you gotta give them you gotta give them their money's worth. And I and and it's satisfying to me to put on the entertainer guy hat and uh and and send people home happy, feeling like they got what they want. I think you give them a healthy balance. I I got this thing in my mind where I just, I can't stand when uh, some of our peers are like, oh, I don't ever want to play that song again. And I I just want to say to them, you know, you know, that song bought you a house in the Hollywood Hills. What's your problem? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
3: And I think it's a healthy balance. You have, you know, there's some new songs in here. And for those of us that love hearing the new material, we kind of get that balance of both. One of the songs that you do, which is one of my favorite songs, is Miracle Pill. And they say that a great song is a great song, whether it's played on the piano by itself or with full-on production. And that song, to me, has a little bit deeper production in it with all the instrumentation, the vocal you know, all of that. And it still is a great song when you, when you play that thing live. That, that is a high point for me. And it, it, what's really cool is after that blazing intro, it's a little bit different than those songs. Talk a little bit about playing Miracle Pill live.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that song was definitely taking a leap out um, of our comfort zone. And I was working with uh, my, one of my favorite songwriters, Sam Holland, or, And when we got together, um, you know, just started riffing on this thing. And Sam is, uh, Sam's view of music is so vast. It's so, it's so huge. And he can write in so many different styles, just effortlessly. So it was a lot of fun working with him. And then the song is very, like, tight. There's no fat on that song. There's no wasted time. It just it's just all like boom boom boom, you know and you get and then you get a big hook um, and I, I you know it, it's just the song to me was very immediate so and people dig it so once again it goes on the set list because people dig it
2: sometimes it looks like you group songs by from the same album or the same era do you do you clump songs together Um as you build a set list or are they thrown together with a little less purpose than that?
1: I I mean, for me, it's more about flow. You know, you sort of, you, you rise in energy and then you kind of come down, take a little break, ride it out a little mid tempo thing, or maybe something, you know, and then, um, but yeah, sometimes because of that, sometimes a few songs will get lumped together. You know, there's like that, there's a section in the set, that starts out, you know, being, being an acoustic set where I'll play like, uh, sympathy and, um, you know, maybe acoustic number three and then I'll go into name and I'll do that solo acoustic for the first part. And then the band will kick in and, um, you know, the crowd kind of likes that. So, seems like there's really
3: a method to your madness there. Um, for, for the big night out tour, you're partnering with the uh, Joe Torre Safe at Home nonprofit.
1: Tell yeah. us a little bit about that. Um, Joe Torre Foundation, Safe at Home Foundation, is is something that's really near and dear to my heart because it's it's helping it's helping kids escape abusive homes and and getting them the help and the resources and the and 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 a hand to to really go on to live amazing lives and, 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 you know, do a lot of healing, which is really important. Um, and the organization is solid. Um, it's truly, truly all volunteer. Um, and Mr. Tory and his wife are just amazing people. And it's like, it's just, I'm, I'm so honored, you know, every night to, to host a guest um in honor of the foundation and then at the end of the tour be able to give them a check you know it's 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 a good feeling it's a really it you know i mean we get to indulge ourselves an awful lot in 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 our particular line of work so it's nice to to be able to do something good for somebody else you know yeah
2: is that something new for you bringing philanthropy on onto a tour do you'd like to do that
1: do a lot of that kind of stuff we work with a uh, a local charity in buffalo called compass house and um that's 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 a good place to once again it's 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 all about kids you know um because it's like you know young, young kids and young adults teenagers in that they're generally the ones who suffer because of because of the adults problems and um you know anything you can do to help out is 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 really something because there's so much there's so much potential and and life should be fun for kids it shouldn't be difficult and scary and traumatizing you know um it's just it just feels good to do it you know it, it comes down to that basically you know
3: yeah, i think it's great so Some of your early influences are a lot of my favorite bands like the Ramones or the Sex Pistols, the Damned. Do you ever uh, play any of those songs in your live set or as encores or sound check?
1: (laughs) I've been, yeah, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll go, we'll mess around with some songs. Um, You know, it's hard, it's hard to play uh, your heroes when you're growing up. It's hard to play those songs because I'm not going to make those songs any better. If I can't, if I can't at least try to own the song or do it justice in some some way, I'm not going to do it, you know? So, um, you know, but, you know, we, I do have this affinity for, for Tom Petty songs and I love Tom Petty. He's such a great writer and, you know, um, and his, his songs are just incredible to me and they, they all resonate pretty deeply with me. So, you know, last year we were doing a, a cover of a Petty song in the set. And uh, American Girl, uh, American Girl. No, we did. Um, uh, come on, why is it slipping my mind right now? Uh, can you look at the set list and see if it's on there? (laughs) It's
3: not, no, okay. All right, it just said that you had covered, you know, uh, it was a long time ago, years ago, you covered American Girl.
1: Oh, yeah, we did that for years because it's a great song, people love it, and um. Uh, running down a dream is what we do on this. There time. you go. Yeah. That's fun.
2: You know, looking online, the song you've covered the most times was, um, super tramp give a little bit, uh, but the last time you played that was 2019. So any covers in your sets lately?
1: Uh, just a petty song that was, was in the set, you know, and we're, I mean, you know, we're always looking for something else to put in there. Um, you know, but we haven't found anything good. And, and like, you know what, we have this, uh, we got some uptown problems because we got a bunch of songs that other people know that everybody knows and, and you got to play those. So not much room. Yeah. I mean, unless you're going to do the three hour set thing, which I'm not doing, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I just, I, you know, it's, it's cool for some people. It's not for me.
3: Yeah. I love your cover of The Plim Souls Million Miles Away. That's always been one of my favorite songs. It's so catchy and yeah. it just feels like a song that you guys would have written.
1: Yeah. Well, I, obviously I mean, you know, um Peter Case huge influence on me as a writer. And um, you know, along with Paul Westerberg and Bob Mould and yeah, the Ramones and 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 Sex Pistols and and the Buzzcocks and You know, and the Who and and the Kinks and, you know, the greats.
2: If you take the Goo Goo Dolls from the 80s and compare them to 2022, obviously you went from punk and you've changed and become a lot more melodic over the years. And there's a lot more acoustic guitar on your part than there used to be in the very early days. But what's the common thread for the Goo Goo Dolls over the years? The common thread for us? I mean... Yeah,
1: I like I like playing acoustic guitar a lot. I like I like songs that incorporate acoustic guitar and I use a lot of alternate tunings and things like that. Um, but the common thread no matter what kind of music it is, it's just like it has to be you got to have a good hook, you know? <laughs> it has to it has to
2: speak to people. Simple songwriting 101, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you
1: know, I mean you know, you have to be, you have to love what you're, what you're creating, you know, and, um, and then, you know, and then you have to bring it to the people and, and, and ultimately they judge what's, what's success and what's not. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love
3: how you go from sympathy, you know, very acoustic into you are the answer, such yeah. a, a beautiful ballad from chaos Um, And you need a couple of songs in a row after that war and and going crazy, you know, from the new album. But where I think it really gets exciting is when you get kind of near that final stretch of the set list and you'll go through something anthemic and big, like, you know, better days and let love in. And it's just like, it, it builds and it builds and it builds until you, you know, they're they're screaming for more, and then of course you you save Iris for the the very end, yeah. which is I don't know if you've ever mixed that up in the set list, but it's I don't know anybody who doesn't know that song, and I was reading that it's over a billion Spotify streams now. and When you play it live, it's just a sea of lighters. Talk yeah. about that final stretch of your uh, of your set list.
1: Well, I mean, I yeah, you know, I, I got it credit Robbie with that he he, he he has more influence on the set list than I do I just criticize it and sketch <laughs> things around um, but it's just sort of like just you know sort of ramping it up you know like like I personally didn't want to end the set with Iris because I because like with, before we had any hit songs and then the song Name came up Then we had a hit song, and we had to save it for last because everybody would leave as soon as we played that song. And um, that's what happens when you only have one song that anybody knows. Um, But, you know, that, that is the biggest hit we ever had, so I guess ending the show with it is not such a bad thing. You know, but sometimes I get the feeling like are you trying to hold these people hostage until the very end of the show? (laughs) But, you know, it it works. So why not? You know, I was wrong. I was wrong.
2: Yeah. The show in Milwaukee, you finished up with Name and Iris and they're, they're real sing-along songs. And lately we've talked to musicians about the power of the sing-along. Jim Kerr from Simple Minds was talking about how how special it is when he's singing along. There were some, like, la-la-la, as he said, helped his voice out, right? It's nice to have a sing-along with easy on the vocal cords. But you talked about the power of the sing-along and having everybody in unison. Talk about what it's like to have a few thousands of people singing along with you to these really impactful, popular songs. What's that like?
1: It's It's exhilarating. It's exhilarating and it's really gratifying and I love it because we live in such an unbelievably divided society and all of that gets left at the doors and everybody in the room, irrespective of what their religious beliefs are or their orientation or their political affiliations or whatever, that all gets left out because Everybody's got one thing in common in that room and that's they dig the music that we're doing. And when all kinds of people get together and can unify on something as silly and insignificant as a song, um, that's an amazing, that's an amazing thing to have happen. Thinking about what he just said, and
3: it's so true in this divided time it doesn't matter what your political leanings are or where you're from when you're together at that, you know, that Goo, Goo doll show, you're just singing along and you're part of a tribe. You're part of that uh, family. I was just kind of reflecting on that. I think that's a profound thing. And it just, it was like an epiphany. I'm thinking, yeah,
1: that's, that's what happens when, uh, you know, you play music. Yeah. I mean, and then when you go, then you walk outside the arena or the amphitheater or wherever you're, you're playing, then everybody goes back to, uh, hating
2: each other. (laughs) (laughs) I hope not. Yeah. You give, yeah. It's an opportunity to give people a break from the real world for a few hours. What are you doing until the next tour? Are you spending time writing songs? Are you doing any studio work? What keeps you busy until you hit the road again?
1: Uh, Yeah. I'm, I'm writing some more material that I'm going to try to have out before the summer tour. And then you know, and I'm working on some other, just, you know, just fun stuff to work on. Like friends of mine will call me and be like, Hey, you know, you want to, want to sing on this or do you want to whatever? And I'm sure. Okay. I'll try it. Or write a line, you know, that that somebody can't finish for whatever reason. And then, um, but, but yeah, working on in writing and recording hopefully will something will be able to come out before the summer tour. And, um, you know, that, that'd be great. You know, I'm looking forward to that.
2: You know, as a successful songwriter, I imagine that you could be a pretty in demand kind of hired gun. Do you write songs for other people? Do you get requests?
1: I only write with friends, you know, I, I only write with friends and I would, I will only write for friends and, um, none of my friends have record deals. So, so I'll, I, I write songs with, with friends and I, you know, but, but, uh, I'm, I'm not into the sitting in a room being, you know, like I tried it. I tried it from the publishing company and that, um, wanted me to go to Nashville and, you know, do it. Can you go in with this artist or these people or these writers? And then it's uh, it never really worked out that well for me. I, I just like it's like it's like speed dating or something. I, I you know, I got to hang with people and, you know, people ask me about what's it like working with Greg Wattenberg? And I'm like, well, we sit around telling dirty jokes and laughing. And and then in between those moments, we write songs. And that's that's fine with me. I love that.
3: Are you ready to get back out on the road? Do you miss it when you're not out on the road, or have you been doing it so many years? It's just nice to be home for
1: a little while, sleep in your own bed. I mean, I have, I have a an awesome little <coughs> girl, six now, and uh, she's so much fun, and she's the only person that I'm never bored with. And uh, hello, <laughs> yeah. Oh, she's being shy. Come on, say <laughs> hi. Oh, you're not yeah we got a lava lamp oh fantastic so it's just working now but she just ran in and out um um, that's cool yeah you know between that and then and then writing and recording i just i love being in the studio i love it you know i wish i could i wish it was something i could do full time you know because it would be it'd be fun yeah
2: john it was great to have you on the podcast and and thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us and good luck with the time off good luck with um, the songwriting the recording and and we'll see you out on the road this and you're
3: a beautiful daughter and yeah your last stop will be in our neck of the woods and we'll we'll get so close we'll scare the band it'll be great
1: thank you guys so much have a great All night right.
3: You too.